Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... Ancient vampires. Yes, I've got three true ancient vampire stories. And I'm saying ancient because they really are quite old. I'm still a bit stuffed up because the COVID is lingering. We've got a new patron to say thank you to... Debbie H... Yeah, thank you Debbie H, we know who you are, and thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Whispering Woods. Right, ancient vampires, I doubt very much if you know any of these stories. One thing I do need to say about the first story is, I think I forgot to put the original date in, so the story actually takes place in 1726. Right, are you ready for the first bloodsucker? Yes, I am. Arnold Powell was a young Serbian soldier who had seen the horrors of war and death. He had fought bravely for the Austrian Empire against the Turks, but he had also suffered a terrible fate. While patrolling a Greek village's dark and desolate streets one night, he felt a sudden pain in his neck. He turned around and saw a pale, gaunt figure with sharp fangs and red eyes. It was a vampire, a creature that fed on human blood and could turn others into its kind. Arnold struggled to free himself, 
but the vampire was too strong. Feeling his life force draining away and his vision fading, Arnold saw his life play out before him, but somehow managed to push the vampire off and ran away, escaping but fearing he was infected. He'd heard stories from the locals about how to prevent the curse. You were to find the vampire's grave, dig up its corpse and burn it. The stories also claimed you had to eat some of the soil from the grave and smear yourself with the vampire's blood. Arnold did this, hoping it would save him. After this incident, Arnold relocated to Medveda, where he settled as a farmer. Meeting a lovely girl, he married and planned to start a family. He tried to forget his past, and live an everyday life, but couldn't escape his destiny. One day he fell from a hay wagon and broke his neck. He died instantly and was buried in the village cemetery. But he did not rest in peace. Soon after his death, strange things began to happen. Four people from the village claimed they were being plagued by Arnold and these four people soon died of a mysterious illness. They coughed up blood, grew pale and weak, and wasted away. They claimed they had seen Arnold's ghost at night, coming to their beds and biting their necks. The villagers were terrified and suspected that Arnold was a vampire. They asked the Austrian authorities for help who sent a military officer to investigate. They exhumed Arnold's body 40 days after his burial and were shocked by what they saw. Arnold looked as if he was still alive. His skin was warm and fresh. His hair and nails had grown and his mouth was stained red. His heart and lungs were full of blood which spurted out when they stabbed him. They realised that he was indeed a vampire, and an arch-vampire at that. They decided to destroy him and end his reign of terror. They drove a stake through his heart, which made him shriek loudly. They cut off his head and burned his body. They also dug up the graves of his victims and did the same to them. They hoped this would stop the epidemic and restore peace to the village. But they were wrong. The vampire plague continued around five years later. In the winter of 1731, and more people died. The villagers told Obstelettnant Stesner, the Austrian military leader who ran the administration, about the new deaths. He feared a plague outbreak and called for Imperial Contagions Medicus by the name of Glazer in the nearby town of Parisin. On the 12th of December, 1731, Glazer checked the villagers and their homes. He did not see any signs of an infectious disease and said the deaths were because of poor nutrition in the area 
and the harmful effects of the strict Eastern Orthodox fasting. But the villagers refuted this, saying the sickness was the effect of vampires. At that time, two or three families would stay together at night, some sleeping whilst the others watched. They thought the deaths would not end unless the authorities killed the vampires and said they would leave the village to save their lives if that did not happen. Glacier agreed to dig up some of the dead. He was surprised to see that most of them had suffered no decomposition and many were fat and had blood in their mouths, while some others, who had died more recently, had decayed. Glacier wrote his findings in a report to the J. Godina commander's office, saying that the authorities should calm the people by doing what they asked and kill the vampires. Schnesner sent Glacier's report to the Supreme Command in Belgrade. The city was then under Austrian control. Botta Adorna, the vice commander, sent a second group to investigate the case. The new group had a military surgeon, Johann Fluckinger, two officers, Lieutenant Colonel Butner and J.H. Lindensfels, and two other military surgeons, Siegel and Johann Frederick Baumgarten. On 7th of January, with the village leaders and some local Roma, they opened the graves of the dead. They saw the same things as Glacier, but their report had more details about the bodies. The group noticed that while five of the bodies were rotten, the other twelve were, quote, whole and fresh, and had the features that people linked to vampirism. Their chests and sometimes other organs had fresh, not clotted blood. The organs inside were thought to be, quote, in good shape. Some bodies looked fat, and their skin was red and bright, not pale. And in some cases, new nails were growing on the fingertips. The surgeon said that all these things meant the bodies were in a vampire state. After they'd finished checking, the Roma cut off the heads of the vampires and burned both their heads and their bodies, throwing the ashes into the West Morava River and the rotten bodies were put back in their graves. The report is from 26th of January, 1732, Belgrade, and has the five officers' names. According to Glacier's account, by the 12th of December, six weeks had passed, and 13 villagers had lost their lives. He listed the names and ages of the dead in chronological order. Milica, a woman of 50. Milogy, a boy of 14. Joachim, a boy of 15. Petter, a boy of 15 days. Stanna, a woman of 20 and her infant, who was buried behind a fence where the mother had lived because it was not baptised. Bukika, a boy of 9. Milosava, a 13-year-old Hadjak's wife. Rad, a man of 24, and Ruzika, a woman of 40. Many people fell ill with chest pains, fevers, spasms, 
and sharp pains in their sides. Glacier reported that the villagers accused Milica and Stanner of causing the vampire plague. He explained that Milica had come from the Ottoman lands six years earlier. The villagers said that she had been a good neighbour and they had never seen or heard anything evil from her. However, she had once admitted that she had eaten two sheep that vampires had killed in the Ottoman lands. Stanna had also confessed that she had smeared vampire blood on herself to protect herself from vampires. The villagers thought that these two actions would make the women become vampires after their deaths. According to Fluckinger's report, 17 villagers had died in three months by 7th of January. Glacier had left after two of them. He said that the villagers blamed Milica, the first victim, for eating the sheep that the old vampires, Powell and his followers from five years before, had slain. Calmet's report tells that Zanoska, the Hedyuk's daughter, went to bed healthy, but woke up shaking and crying that Milio, the Hedyuk's son, who had been dead for nine weeks, had tried to strangle her in her sleep. She got weaker and weaker and died in three days. The people dug up Milio's son and found out he was a vampire, just as Zanoska had said. On the 13th of February, Glacier's father, Johann Frederick Glacier, a doctor in Vienna, who had also contributed to the Nuremberg Journal, Commercium Literarium, wrote a letter to its editors with the whole story his son had shared with him on the 18th of January. The story aroused a lot of curiosity. After that, both reports, especially Fluckinger's more elaborate one, and the letter were reprinted in many publications and books. What do you think? Yeah, back then it's always like a spiritual like thing. We're like, oh yeah, what we do, we'll cut our heads off and like burn them and mm. like makes I don't know like rituals or something in it. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I'd probably sit there. I don't know, but wait in. I'd wait for him to attack me. I'd just sit there with a shotgun or something. Would you trust, you know, because they say that um, vampires are repelled by garlic. Yeah. So would you be willing, right, there's a vampire on the loose, to sit on your front porch with just a string of garlic around your neck and a crucifix? I'd do it, innit? I mean, I wouldn't believe, I, I think it's waffle, innit? I don't think that would make vampires go away. But I'd at least try it in it. But would you be comfortable to just sit there with that and nothing else? I'd be comfortable with my shotgun and that's it. <laughs> but your shotgun, what's that going to do? Well, it makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> Not that you have a shotgun. No. <laughs> We're kind of making it sound like you do. <laughs> makes me feel well comfortable when I'm sat there with my shotgun. <laughs> You'll have to go shooting one day. I told you that I'm I'm a good shot. Yeah. I just like the first few times I loved it. And then it was just actually this is terrifying. And um, I couldn't do it anymore. I was too nervous. And I hit some of those clay things up in the sky. Yeah, it's a rush though, isn't it? Mm. I think the zombie apocalypse, I'll be the marksman. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd make a device so like plate shooter. Yeah. So it's like plates and it shoots into the sky and I aim at it with my rifle and bang. 
for practice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now I've got another ancient vampire story, and this time we're over in America. So are you ready for the second story? Yes, I am. The winter of 1982 was harsh and unforgiving in the small town of Exeter, Rhode Island. The residents were plagued by a deadly disease that had no cure consumption or tuberculosis. Many people in the area had fallen victim to it, especially the Brown family. George Brown was a farmer who had lost his wife, Mary Eliza, and his eldest daughter, Mary Olive, to consumption in the previous years. He was left with two children, Edwin and Mercy, who were his only hope and joy. But fate was cruel, and soon Edwin contracted the disease as well. He coughed up blood, grew pale and thin, and suffered from night sweats and fever. George was desperate to save his son and sent him to Colorado Springs, where the climate was supposed to be better for his lungs. He hoped the fresh air and sunshine would heal him, but he was wrong. Edwin returned to Exeter in 1892, worse than ever. He was barely alive, and his father feared he would not last long. Mercy, who was 19 years old, was the only healthy member of the family. She was a kind and cheerful girl, who helped her father with the farm work and cared for her brother. She was well-liked by the townsfolk, who admired her courage and beauty. She had long brown hair, bright blue eyes and rosy cheeks. She was the picture of health and vitality until she too succumbed to consumption. She died on the 17th of January 1892 and was stored in an above-ground crypt in the Baptist Cemetery next to her mother and sister. Her father was heartbroken and felt like he had nothing left to live for. He prayed for a miracle, but none came. Meanwhile, the town were gripped by fear and superstition, believing that consumption was caused by a vampire. They thought that one of the dead Browns was the vampire and that it was draining the life force from Edwin. They urged George to exhume the bodies of his family and look for signs of the undead. George didn't believe in such nonsense, but he was pressured by his neighbours and friends, who claimed they were trying to help him. He reluctantly agreed to let them dig up the graves with the help of a doctor named Harold Metcalf and a reporter named Michael Bell. They did so on the 18th of March, 1892, a cold and cloudy day. They opened the coffins of Mary Eliza and Mary Olive and found them decomposed, as expected. They were not the vampire. But when they opened the coffin of Mercy, they were shocked by what they saw. She looked almost unchanged, as if she'd just fallen asleep. Her skin was still soft and warm, her hair and nails appeared longer, and her organs contained clotted and darkened blood. 
Her face was discoloured by the fluids that had leaked from her nose and mouth. They were convinced she was the vampire and that she was responsible for Edwin's condition. They decided to destroy her and stop her evil influence. They cut out her heart and liver and then burned them on a nearby rock. They then fed the ashes to Edwin as a tonic, hoping to cure him of his disease. But their efforts were in vain. Edwin died on the 2nd of May, 1892, joining his family in death. Mercy's grave was vandalised and desecrated, and her name became a legend. She was known as Mercy Brown, the last vampire of New England. Yeah, them kind of like old 1600, 1700 kind of creepy westerns, you know, and like, and saying all that, oh yeah, you're a witch, and they hang them and all that. Mm, mm. that witch reminds, trials. Yeah, it reminds me of when we went to that woods where there's like stories of that horse and carriage where you can see like the marks that has gone through, and like, mm. we went there with our auntie and that in it. Mm. Mm. When we did the ghost hunt. Yeah, yeah. And we was doing the recorder thing. Listening back, because you're supposed to hear a horn or something. Mm. What it was? The horn was yeah, on we there. Heard it. <laughs> I mean, there were slight horns of um, trucks as well, but there was a horn. And then when we were at one stage, that wind was going w- really strange. Can you yeah. remember in the and trees? We, and we was walking where the the horses were supposed to be, and you, we smelt horse poo and that. Yeah, it was pretty scary. And I fair. and I found that old lady's brick house where mm. she got chased out her house or something yeah we was looking for it and I looked around and realised we were standing in it yeah because just brick wall going around I was yeah. like well this has got to be it hasn't it we're <laughs> going to have to go back up there because we we were planning to do some sort of ghost hunting last summer but we didn't get round to it and then yeah. George fell and all of that business and it was just like nah <laughs> not now but maybe we can get out this year that'd be cool what, what about the story what do you think of that with Mercy Brown. I love that name. Yeah. I just, to be fair, I don't don't know how drinking blood and ashes can help you. Mm. To be fair. I'm not I'm not a doctor or nothing, but honestly, I don't think that can help me, my love. <laughs> well, I suppose back in the day, they would have tried anything to get rid of it, you know? Yeah, if they tried anything, they would be gone a long time ago. Because <laughs> they're thinking, like, you want some more generations and that. And if this is stopping it, you've got to get them gone. <laughs> you got to get them gone. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? It. Kill the vampires off? Yeah, just put them out of misery. So even if you had an inkling that somebody back in the day, back in those times, you would have got your steak ready. And we don't mean the sizzling kind. We mean the wooden through the heart kind. Yeah. <laughs> if I heard something that was like happening because of something, then that summit is not going to happen anymore. Oh, we'd, we'd have to call you <laughs> Witch Finder General. Uh, I'd just be the king. Oh. <laughs> right, are you ready? And everybody bow down to me. <laughs> like, Lord. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Give me bread. <laughs> I'll have cake. <laughs> yeah. Right, are you ready for the next story? Yes, I am. Wayne Reich was a shoemaker who lived in Rocklau, a town in Poland in the late 16th century. He was a quiet and solitary man who mainly worked at night. He had a reputation 
for making the finest shoes in the land. But he also had a dark secret. He had made a pact with the devil, and he was accused of being a heretic. One day, in September 1591, he decided to end his life. He took a knife and cut his own throat, spilling his blood on the floor. He was buried the next day, but he didn't stay in the grave. He began to haunt the town, feeding on the living, appearing to people at night and leaving bruises on their bodies. He also got into bed with them and squeezed their arms and legs so hard that he left finger marks on their skin. He caused fear and panic among the townsfolk, who didn't know how to stop him. They decided to dig up his body and see if he was the source of the trouble. They found him looking fresh and intact, his skin tight like a drum. He had a rose-shaped birthmark on his foot, which confirmed their suspicions. They took him out of his coffin and reburied him under some gallows, hoping that would end his curse. But it did not. Wainwright continued to terrorise the town and even attacked a woman and a vicar. He left hoof marks in the snow as if he'd turned into a horse. The townsfolk were desperate and dug him up again. They saw that he still had fresh blood in his body, which flowed out when they cut his leg. They were horrified and decided to destroy him. They chopped off his head and burned his body. They also burned his ashes and threw them into the river. This ended his evil influence and brought peace back to their town. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So what I gathered from that was that he sold his soul to the devil so that he could make amazing shoes. Yeah, yeah? that's a bit odd. Well, a lady loves that's her shoes. That's what people do, isn't it? Uh, like they sell their soul to like be rich and all that. Be successful. And be like yeah. popular. That's what like yeah. bear celebrities and that have done, mm. apparently. Yep, we're still going to do that cover of that and the crossroads and stuff like that it's on my list yeah it's like the 27 cover bit isn't it mm. yeah it kind of molds into it so i think we'll do that next week actually because i keep saying we'll do it because i know you're really interested in that stuff so it sounds to me if we get like a vampire if, uh, if there's an if they become if vampires become endemic 
what we need to do is burn them and throw their ashes in the river because that's like what two of the stories do. Yeah. You know, when they, they sleep in coffins, isn't it? But when they're sleeping in their coffin, I'd burn them in that. Because, mm. like, they're not going to know, are they? You're not no. going to have to fight it. They don't go down with a fight. They just go down in flames. Yeah, if you do it in the daytime, they'd be none the wiser, would they? Yeah, cause they can't, and they can't look in, like, mirrors and that as well, innit? Mm. So I'd just surround them in mirrors. Mirrors. Have that. Have it. And garlic on up his nose and that. <laughs> Right, so next week I've got some more ancient vampire stories for the extra. But I hope you, you like the episode. Um, I love some of the older stories, don't you, Tate? Yeah, it reminds me of them. You know that, remember the Fear Street films? I think they were called Fear Street. Yeah, but the 80s them, sort of. One of, Yeah, but one of them was in like the 1600s, isn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah, I just love it. There's a, there's a film called Witch, which is amazing. And I love folk horror. Anyway. Just... And the devil of all time with Tom Holland in. Oh, that was really good, but that's not really. Yeah, but faithful. it's got that kind of like vibe in it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's kind of like an old style like country film. Yeah, yeah. But and it's just disturbing. Disturbing is key. Mm. Well, that's the end of this episode. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch up with you again soon. We will. We will catch up with you again on Thursday. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.